Welcome to Almost Here, Round the Corner of Future Technology Podcasts with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used, or just around the corner, from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Coming to Dallas, Texas, September 14th, 15th, and 16th, 2018, the Blockchain and Future Tech Expo. This is going to be a gigantic conference of over 5,000 people. We're going to be talking about blockchain and its applications. We're going to be talking about quantum computing, cybersecurity, artificial intelligence, and several other future technologies that are poised to and actually changing our lives as we speak. Here's why you should attend. As you may know, early adopters are the ones that investigated and profited from things like the gold rush in the 1800s, from the dot-com boom in the 1990s, from the internet boom in 2005, from the smartphone explosion in 2007, from the real estate boom that ended in 2008, and of course, from the Bitcoin boom that started in 2012. Early adopters act now. They don't wait till later. They go out west first in their covered wagons. They find the biggest gold nuggets. If you consider yourself an early adopter and you want to find the biggest nuggets, then you owe it to yourself to attend this upcoming conference. Blockchain is going to affect how we control and store our medical data, how we send money around the world, how we bank, and more. But artificial intelligence, quantum computing, and cybersecurity will play a pivotal role in our lives as well. And that's why our next event, September 14th to the 16th at the Dallas Convention Center, is going to have not only 5,000 plus attendees, but we'll showcase blockchain, AI, cybersecurity, quantum computing, and more. You want to get in on the coming gold rush of future tech and opportunity as an early adopter. Don't be left out. To register, go to bftexpo.com. That's blockchainfuturetechexpo.com. Thank you. Hello, one and all, to the Future Tech Podcast. I am Alan Thomas, and today we have Brittany Stotler, VP of Marketing for Local Motors. How are you doing, Brittany? Fabulous. How are you doing? Oh, I'm great. I'm good. You know, we, we can we can jump right into it. Uh, so Perfect. tell us, great. So tell us about Local Motors. So Local Motors, we are actually based here in Gilmer, Arizona. Um, we are a ground mobility company that is focused on shaping the future for the better. Uh, so we were founded back in 2007, and we have a strong belief in co-creation and open collaboration. And then we do volume manufacturing of those open source designs using our micro factories. And so is, is your in, in your micro factories on site or is it in a different location? We actually have one facility here in Chandler, Arizona. We have another facility in Knoxville, Tennessee. The ah. Knoxville, Tennessee was actually the first ground up installation of a micro factory. Uh, the one in Chandler is a repurposed building. Um, so it's not the not our ideal setup, um, but that's why we went and built the Knoxville, Tennessee location. Uh, right down the street from Oak Ridge National Labs, a partner of ours. Oh, that's, that's pretty smart. You can just show back and forth. <laughs> exactly. So tell us a little bit about how the company started. How, what, what brought it about? Sure. So the CEO and co-founder, G. Rogers, um, he actually spent about eight years in the military as a Marine and lost a couple of friends overseas uh, in the war and came back with a vision to create a company that we could actually build vehicles here in the U.S. and start moving towards vehicles that we're not going to be utilizing all of that crude oil 
and moving more towards electric vehicles and trying to create a better situation uh, for all of us currently and in the future. So he came back, had this great idea, and we actually launched the first ever co-created vehicle, which was called the Rally Fighter. Um, And then from there, we launched the world's first 3D printed car, which was a project that we did with Oak Ridge National Labs. And then we now have launched the world's first co-created autonomous uh, all-electric shuttle, which is Ollie. <laughs> that's, that's great. I, I've, I've heard of Ollie. Okay, so I've heard of Ollie. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize that was you guys. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and so, uh, what, and so, so Brittany, what uh, exactly attracted you to working for the company as the VP of marketing? Um, I am a car girl for I have worked with industry-leading giants, um, such as Barrett Jackson Collector Car Auctions. I worked with them for about five years and Ford Motor Company before that, and then several other OEMs throughout the country, launching new brands, launching new vehicles, doing big press and media events. Um, I actually was part of the team that went to go out, and we would get to go to all the racetracks and invite all of our press and media out and get their opinions on these new vehicles that are coming to light. So it was just a natural fit seeing that it was right down the street from where I grew up. Um, I am a born and raised Phoenix native, and I was always intrigued by the fact that they were able to build vehicles in a much smaller footprint than what we're all used to seeing by these OEM, you know, mega factories that are millions of square feet, um, where they're reducing down to anywhere from 20 to 50,000 square feet. So it was really interesting. Um, and then the fact that it's not a vehicle that is coming off of an assembly line, you have to wait four years for your next version of it. You know, they were able to create custom vehicles for these different different uh, enthusiasts and ship them all over the world. So for a car enthusiast, the big draw would be speed and customization. Absolutely. Everybody loves speed. <laughs> <laughs> Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> so, and so is Ollie so just the, the kind of the first sign of where local motors would like to go? in terms of your output? I think we actually started with um, the 3D printed car. And it was more of a, you know, everybody thinks of 3D printing and they think of like little desktop printers and oh, I can make this keychain and I can make a tchotchke or I can make, you know, something that's not an everyday use item. Um, and here we are actually printing a car and we were able to do it live in front of an audience at the IMPS show in uh, 2014. And then we did it again at the Detroit Auto Show, the North American International Auto Show, um, I guess is what it's technically called. Um, we did that in 2015, live printed, milled, and assembled, and then went downstairs and drove it on the Shell EcoTrack. So it was a, a great proof point for people to see where the technology is headed. And 3D printing has been around for years, and people just haven't really gotten into it. And obviously, in the last few years, it has just completely blown out of the market. Um, There are OEMs that are starting to utilize 3D printing for prototyping and parts and um, looking at prototyping different tooling. So we see, you know, everybody is starting to realize the benefits of direct digital manufacturing and 3D printing. And we're just happy we were on the leading edge of that. You guys are definitely ahead of the curve in in terms of, (laughs) changing the way the cars are, are built then. Absolutely. Uh, you know, our CEO's vision is to be able to really print and assemble in a much quicker pace, uh, but then also being able to make changes or customizations literally by changing, you know, a click of a button that may be a vehicle that's really needed in Arizona. Obviously, we need a vehicle that has great air conditioning because it gets a little bit warm here, uh, <laughs> <laughs> as opposed to, you know, 
Beaumont, Montana, you're going to need something potentially that can handle snow and can handle a rougher terrain. So it's trying to figure out how to make that something that is a customizable vehicle, but without increasing you know, excessive tooling it costs and without trying to utilize, you know, as much capital and things like that. So with direct digital manufacturing, we're able to go in, make a change in something, print out a new part, have our engineers vet it, and then move it through the process to actually get it installed into a vehicle. Um, with a typical OEM, they're, for the most part, they release new vehicles every four to five years, just because that's the cycle that they have to go through in order to get that vehicle through prototyping, through testing, get it into the market, but they've got all these expenses that are built up because all their tooling is based on that one model. And in order to get something different, if you wanted a different bumper and you wanted a different, you know, you wanted a two-door instead of a four-door, it's not something that they can rapidly do. Maybe that will come out in four or five years or longer. Um, You know, we see that all the time. It's you get a 2004 to a 2009 model and that is your model. Uh, We would really like to see things going to where a customer can come in and say, yeah, I really like that, but I'd rather have two doors and I want a spoiler. And, um, you know, by the way, I'm in a wheelchair, so I need to be able to have wheelchair accessibility or I need to be able to have a rack on the back to house my wheelchair. You know, trying to make those differences more available to people without having them putting in an excessive amount of expense into the process. So so we're potentially looking at a a future situation where, we basically, it, it kind of reminds me of when you're when you're coming in and, and building a custom house. You, you go to, let's say you go to the car dealership, you sit down with your consultant, and you you are literally just making choices about exactly how you want the car built to your specs. Is that, is that, is that a fair? Yes, same idea. Um, we've, the vehicle that we launched recently, Ollie, uh, which is a shuttle, it holds up to 12 passengers, and then depending on where it's deployed, you can adjust the configuration of the seating. Um, but we actually launched a prototype vehicle, a project that we did and we had announced at the CES show in 2017, uh, which was accessible, Ollie, because we've started to notice, I mean, everybody's, and especially lately, you're seeing a lot of negativity and a lot of pushback on autonomous technology and everyone's afraid and everyone's concerned and it's a robot. How can it know that it needs to stop? And But no one's really thinking of the other piece of this, which is when you pull that driver out of some of these vehicles, like a bus or a shuttle, who's there to assist somebody that doesn't, that can't necessarily get onto that vehicle by themselves? Um, who's going to restrain their wheelchair? Who can help someone that is, um, you know, hearing impaired? How are they, this is the vehicle that they need to be getting on. So we launched a project with CTA Foundation, who puts on the CES show. It's just their philanthropic arm of the company and IBM. And we actually did workshops and projects and collaborations all throughout 2017 and then created a vehicle prototype that we showcased at CES along with a connected um, Ollie stop, as we called it. But it's essentially a connected shuttle uh, shelter so that people can wait. They can see when their vehicle is coming. But it also integrated technology from over 11 different companies to where um, a group called Kintrans was actually able to install a technology, which is sign language recognition. So the participants that came through the booth were actually able to sign to the Ollie stop and to Ollie, and then it was responding back to them via sign language, and then it would have a text um, with it as well. So it was really neat to see how that actually worked and to see people utilizing it. Um, We actually had Stevie Wonder come through the booth with a few of his people. He's (laughs) apparently very excited about technologies. Uh, So we got to walk him through some of the things that we were showcasing, um, ultra haptics technology, which is a mid-air technology. So it basically can create 
you know, invisible buttons for people that maybe they can't um, necessarily push a button. They can wave their hand in front of the button, but there's no actual button there. They would feel it based on the air that is pushed out, and then they can create, you know, a, an invisible barrier so that it can lead somebody who is uh, blind or has vision loss, and it can actually lead them to an open seat so they don't have an awkward encounter with somebody by accidentally stepping on somebody's toes or sitting on somebody that's already in a seat because they don't know. So we're trying to give more of that freedom back to these people. Um, and what I really was excited about is one of the uh, personas that we identified as somebody needing, you know, that had vision loss is a gentleman named Eric, and he's actually an IBM engineer. He was not born blind. He ended up going blind because of a condition. And he helped define what those needs were that he feels he would need in order to be able to utilize transportation again. And he was so excited about the opportunity and being able to help really design and collaborate to bring something to market that would benefit him. But also he already had that inherent sense of pride because he got to help decide what was going to happen, what's going to make his life easier, what's going to make it more available and more accessible to people that may not have that ability currently. And I love that you that you, you went into that level of detail and how you put that together because, you know, we, we're, we're always used to hearing about how it's, you know, the, the device or new application is built and then you go out to market and kind of do some trial and error with focus groups or whatever. But mm -hmm. you actually had someone on site helping you build it from the ground up. This is what I would need. Yes, exactly. I mean, we went and we participated. We actually hosted hackathons and workshops at different universities. Um, we had met with a group in um, Minnesota that is near a medical campus there, talking to them about what patients are asking for, what are their needs. And then a lot of people that aren't uh, really thinking about it is the aging population. There's a lot more people in the world, period, these days, but there's a very large number of them that are in an aging population and maybe they shouldn't be driving. Their sight isn't as great, but they may still have a license or they just don't feel comfortable driving. So they feel like they're relegated to just being at home or within walking distance of their home or they're feeling like a burden to somebody because they have to ask someone for a ride somewhere every single time. So we're trying to give some of that freedom back to everybody. Um, and a lot of people are starting to realize that people aren't really borrowing, aren't buying cars anymore. You know, a lot of self-owned private vehicles, It's which is mind-blowing to me because I know I was super excited about getting my license as soon as I turned 16. And it seems like that draw just isn't there anymore. Uh, that that the new people that are coming into the world and that are coming into vehicles, they're just they want the convenience factor. They don't want to have to pay for a car payment. They don't want to have to pay for their car insurance and pay for gas. They'd rather open their phone up, click on an app, and have a vehicle show up at their house in ten minutes and take them wherever they need to go, and they're done. And so we're trying to make sure that we're moving along with those groups because they're going to be the next ones. They're going to be utilizing these technologies and all these services. I mean, I, I would have to agree with you. I couldn't imagine not wanting a car as soon as I turned 16 and got that license. But maybe maybe if Uber had been around or one of these ride-sharing services had been around, maybe I would have considered it as an option. But but I, I just I can't like you said, I, I just can't imagine not wanting to get behind the wheel myself. That's how I feel, and and maybe it's just because I grew up in a in a very like thin, spread out city. Um, Phoenix has so many suburbs, and I mean, you can live. It can take two hours to get to work because you live that far from work, but you love the community that you're in. So ride sharing or taking a subway or a light rail or what have you in Arizona, we don't have a subway system. We don't. Our light rail only runs in um, a certain area, so it doesn't actually 
meet the needs of the people that live in these suburbs. And they're paying an exorbitant amount of money just to have that vehicle, to have that insurance, to have that gas. But I'm of the same mindset where I'm just like, I love the convenience of an Uber and a Lyft and that ride sharing capability when I want it. But I still want to be able to get in a vehicle and drive myself wherever I want to go if I feel like just driving to California for the day. You know, which I think it's that a little bit of that freedom factor there as well. And, and I know you said that, that whenever traditional car companies uh, want to make changes, it's it's the process is more like trying to turn a battleship, I guess, in terms of uh, <laughs> in terms of the time. <laughs> in terms of the time needed. And with you guys, it, it's it's more of like a quick customization. Now, exactly. now, as, now, as far as uh, now, as far as when the average person gets to this point where they'll be able to walk in and and get that customized vehicle, will it be? I mean, in terms of in terms of cost, will it one day be around the same level as just buying a traditional car, or will it be vastly different? Or um, you know, our our CEO has a vision to actually get that cost down substantially. Um, with direct digital manufacturing, we have less capital investment, so it's going to essentially cost us less money to make that vehicle. So we want to make sure that it's something that's affordable and that people can actually get into. Um, the other piece of it is trying to be more sustainable and thinking about how we can actually repurpose that vehicle again. I mean, junkyards are full of old cars. Uh, people get a new car every so often, and it's, that car sits on the lot or it goes to a junkyard and it sits and it leaks all these fluids and oils and things that aren't great for our environment into the ground, and then we're trying to figure out what to do with them at that point. Um, so the current thought process behind direct digital manufacturing from our point of view is that you can be able to come in, you design your vehicle, it's 3D printed, it comes out, we can wrap it, it'll look just like a normal vehicle in your full end phase, um, in your final product. But if you're done with it in two years, rather than going and dumping it in a yard, it's you bring it back in, we remove the wrap, we grind it back down, and we print you a new vehicle. So you would actually own something more tangible than that car. I mean, you still own the car if you purchase it outright today. You own your vehicle, but can you go back and say, you know what, I don't want, uh, I don't want a two-door anymore, I want a four-door. They're going to get, okay, great, um, give us that car, and we'll get you a new vehicle. And the idea is that we'd be able to take that vehicle of theirs back and repurpose it into a four-door vehicle or into a truck or into an SUV or whatever the need is and make those modifications that would cost that person less money, but it's less harmful to the environment. It's less that's sitting and causing destruction in the environment and more green, you know, more good things coming to our world that we need. So technically I could, I could, if I'm a, a brand new car owner coming into that market, I could technically own the same vehicle for the, my whole life, but I would get to experience however many vehicles I wanted then. So I could just keep exactly. recustomizing it. Exactly. Okay, now, now, that, now, now that I would sign on for. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the caveat is that, you know, you can't paint um, a vehicle like that because you, you can't pull the paint off and have it extract from the material completely, uh, which is why we opt to wrap everything. And wrapping is great because you can change your wrap whenever you want for a lot less money than having to repaint your entire vehicle. And then in the end, you pull the wrap off and you want a completely different vehicle. We grind it up, melt it down and print you a whole new vehicle. If you think about it, the wraps are the better option anyway, because how many times, I mean, I mean, how many times uh, do you hear people talking about how they just kind of tired of, of, of you know, they're, they're tired of whatever color, the colors or certain mm -hmm. small features that they want to change after a couple of years. And just, yeah, that's, that's a very, that's a very smart, uh, that's a very smart <laughs> element to have. <laughs> we thought so too. 
<laughs> very, 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 very cool. And and so I, I guess it's uh, it's safe to say that the ultimate mission of the company would be to, like you said, speed, increase speed and, and customization, but also to kind of bring costs down to to keep attracting people to keep buying cars. Not cost down, so that it's it's more cost effective for them to actually own a vehicle. But you know, really, the end goal is to be more sustainable. You know, we want to make sure that people we're leaving a better environment for our children and grandchildren in those generations to come than what we're currently leaving behind. And, and let me ask you, what uh, what will the uh, the process be like for just the average customer who is is coming to you? Now, who is coming to you? Is it will it be a a, a lot type situation? Will it just be an office where you go in and, and place your order? I mean, what are we? I mean, how is that going to look? Apparently, we don't have a. The Highway Ready vehicle is not a vehicle that we offer for sale right now. We had the prototype of the 3D printed vehicle and the prototype of a Highway Ready vehicle. Um, both were challenges that were on our co-creation website. So community members submitted their designs and they were actually picked by a, the rest of the community members and then by a panel of judges. Um, the prototype of the Highway Ready car was actually uh, a panel. One of our judges was Jay Leno. Um, so he actually sat on the panel and got to vote for out of the top five, which one he felt would be the most impactful and which one he liked the most. And it was a gentleman that worked for HP Software that in his spare time, he really enjoyed designing vehicles. And he was able to submit it onto our website and his design won. So we were able to debut that at SEMA and show people like, this is what we want to do with the future. This is coming. Um, and currently we have the Ollie which is the, it's partially 3D printed. There's a current project happening that is a fully 3D printed Ollie, um, which is part of the accessible Ollie that you guys, have, that you can see online as well. But we are really focused on 3D printing and bringing these new technologies to market at a much quicker pace. So it's all about integrating new technologies and staying open, staying in open collaboration. Our vehicle has an open VCU architecture so that we can bring in new partners for robotics, for um, mapping, for a, an app that's going to be able to tell you you visited this coffee shop the last three times you drove past it. They're having an, a sale today. Did you want to stop on your way into work and get a coffee? We want to keep them connected. We want to make their life easier and make their quality of life better. Um, so it's we're starting with Ollie and branching from there. Um, and who knows what's to come with our next product lineup. But currently, you can just go online, submit a form, and we can get in contact with you and give you a quote for purchasing an Ollie and getting it deployed in your city or a business campus, theme park, you know, wherever these people are seeing this fit. Oh, wow. And, and, and what are we looking at for top speeds for Ollie? I know you know. I do. <laughs> so Ollie is definitely a low speed uh, electric shuttle. You know, you don't want to be running on the freeway in a shuttle with 12 other people. <laughs> <laughs> That's not what it's meant for. Um, it actually came from a challenge that we hosted on our website called the Urban Mobility Challenge, uh, Berlin 2030. And it was really to get our users thinking about how do we solve the congestion issue? How do we solve traffic? How do we solve all of these problems that cities are having? And Europe is really taking a leading edge and looking at these situations. There's already uh, cities that are banning personal vehicles within city limits. They're making people park on the outskirts and taking a shuttle or taking a mass transit in to the city. Uh, utilizing bikes, utilizing a uh, an all-electric shuttle within the city to get people around so that they're not bringing all that congestion into the city. I don't know about you, but I hate traffic. Traffic <laughs> <laughs> is absolutely the worst. So oh. it, it was, you know, it was designed trying to make 
people's commutes and their times easier, but also making it more beneficial for where these are going to be deployed. And ideally, it's our people that are going to be using them. Or it's going to make their their commute to work or their ability to get from home to a store to wherever much easier without having that big impact on the environment. Yeah, that is amazing work. And I just have to ask, up mm-hmm. to this, I mean, you, you've, I mean, you, you guys have gotten a long way in a sh- pretty relatively short period of time, considering what you're doing. And what are some of the difficulties or some of, you know, some of the hurdles that you've had to kind of jump in order to get to this point? Um, you know, the automotive industry is absolutely massive. Um, I think it generates over $1 trillion in revenue worldwide. Uh, so trying to navigate a very complex industry, you know, it's, it's difficult sometimes, um, but it's very alluring. Everybody's interested in automotive. Everyone wants to know what's coming out next. Everyone wants to see what changes are being made, how this technology that lives on their phone is going to connect to their vehicles and connect to their home life or their work life and make their lives easier. Um, so I would say it's definitely just it's been a difficult industry to navigate through. Um, but then more recently is the the backlash and negativity that is out there that towards autonomous technology. So trying to really change that paradigm and change that outlook and show people that it is a safe technology. We are working to ensure that it is safe um, and that we are only going to start in low speed controlled environments. We do not want to make sh- we want to make sure that this vehicle is safe before we put it on public roads. Um, And we want to get everyone's feedback. What did you like? What didn't you like? What do you think works? What would work better for you? What do you want to see when this comes rolling out into production and they're rolling all around your city? Or maybe it's around your business campus and you have a two-mile walk from the parking garage to your office. Would it be easier if you were able to just hop in an alley and get a ride into your office? And and on the flip side of the the previous question, what would you say uh, out of all the – I mean, you, you guys had a lot of achievements already. But what would you say are the achievements that you're most proud of up to this point? Uh, personally, I would say the accessible Ollie. Uh, I mean, I mentioned having CB Wonder come through. We had the commissioner for New York um, directly for accessibility. He came through and he is in a wheelchair um, full time. So he was just he was excited that somebody is thinking about accessibility first and that it's not an afterthought. And we want to make sure that our consumers know and our customers know that we're definitely thinking about it. We understand that there's a need for it and that need that need needs to be met. And we want to make sure that it is met and exceeded, really, by providing and bringing these different partners and technologies into the space and getting them involved and saying, this works, this doesn't. How do we fix this? How do we make it more accessible for everybody? How do we make it more enjoyable for people? And how do we make that ride cost even less money? And now I'm sure being in automotive, you have constantly have ideas just free-flowing and kind of bouncing around. What what types of developments have you have you heard of that maybe you say, well, this might be a few years off. This might be a little too ambitious for today, but maybe in a few years we could get that done. Are there any ideas like that maybe that come to mind? Um, you know, I think, I think with the autonomous technology, everyone thinks that it's, you know, they're going to every auto manufacturer is going to start putting autonomous technology into their vehicles. And you know, next year, we're all going to be drive, sitting in our car and it's going to drive us from point A to point B like we see in the movies. And I think we're much farther off than that um, to see it as an everyday driver and to see people not driving their vehicles, um, but really to show to push the ride sharing and pushing people to utilize that transit system more and making that 
easier and more beneficial to people that live in more urban and remote areas or maybe underprivileged and underserved areas and giving them access to better schools, better health care. Um, but it's going to take time. And I think everybody's making really good strides and great improvements to get this technology's cost down. You know, the more people invest in it, the more people utilize it, the, that cost is going to go down, which makes everything much more affordable for everybody in the end. And, and in terms of the company itself, what what does what does it look like for Local Motors the next 12 to 24 months? Busy, busy, busy. <laughs> <laughs> um, we are uh, launching our Ollie Pilot program starting this summer here over in the States. Um, we are launching one over in Adelaide, Australia. So we are going to be literally flying all over the world um, over the next few months, and we'll have Ollie Pilot programs operating. And hopefully you guys will be able to just roll on out and ride and experience it and let us know what you think. Oh, that'd be great. <laughs> I, I, I think uh, I think you might have made a sale over here. I'm definitely going to be on the website <laughs> poking around uh, once we're, once we're done. Our list. Make sure that you get a notice <laughs> when we have one deployed near you, and you can go out and take a ride and let me know what you think. Oh, yes. <laughs> and, uh, and what would be and what would be your your final thoughts for our listeners? What's the big takeaway that you would like our listeners to get from this interview? Um, you know, we're just extremely excited about the future and launching the pilot programs, but we are constantly adding new projects and challenges and brainstorming sessions to our co-creation website. Uh, they can get to it from our main website. It just says co-create Ollie, and they can go out and um, they can actually contribute to the current projects that are around Ollie, but also other mobility projects. Our co-creation group has has projects that are out there for HP, developing vehicles and life and structure on Mars, um, working with the government and the Marine Corps currently to develop a vehicle for a specific purpose for the Marine Corps. And in the end, whoever's ideas are the winning entry and whoever's ideas are actually chosen, they end up with prize money and potentially with a royalty like the winner of the Ollie Challenge. And so the best way to get in contact with you guys would be, the, would it be the Local Motors website, the Co-Create Ollie yep. or? Localmotors.com and they can um, they can get all the information they'd like on Ollie. They can sign up and get more information from us to stay abreast. And then if they go to Co-Create Ollie, they can actually participate in some of the ongoing challenges currently. Okay, great. That'll work. All right. Well, thank you for coming on to the podcast, sharing your time. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Coming to Dallas, Texas, September 14th, 15th, and 16th, 2018, the Blockchain and Future Tech Expo. This is going to be a gigantic conference of over 5,000 people. We're going to be talking about blockchain and its applications. We're going to be talking about quantum computing, cybersecurity, artificial intelligence, and several other future technologies that are poised to and actually changing our lives as we speak. Here's why you should attend. As you may know, early adopters are the ones that investigated and profited from things like the gold rush in the 1800s, from the dot-com boom in the 1990s, from the internet boom in 2005, from the smartphone explosion in 2007, from the real estate boom that ended in 2008, and of course, from the Bitcoin boom that started in 2012. Early adopters act now. They don't wait till later. They go out west first in their covered wagons. They find the biggest gold nuggets. If you consider yourself an early adopter and you want to find the biggest nuggets, then you owe it to yourself to attend this upcoming conference. Blockchain is going to affect how we control and store our medical data, how we send money around the world, how we bank, and more. But artificial intelligence, quantum computing, and cybersecurity 
will play a pivotal role in our lives as well. And that's why our next event, September 14th to the 16th at the Dallas Convention Center, is going to have not only 5,000 plus attendees, but will showcase blockchain, AI, cybersecurity, quantum computing, and more. You want to get in on the coming gold rush of future tech and opportunity as an early adopter. Don't be left out. To register, go to BFTExpo.com. That's BlockchainFutureTechExpo.com. Thank you. You have been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, post a review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.